What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and put it only in you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you feel stressed? Do you worry about things? Are your anxiety levels high? Are the cares of life threatening to overwhelm you? If so, you're not alone. Stress, worry, and anxiety are common to many. There are times when our work produces a lot of stress. We struggle to deal with the demands of our job or in relationships with others in the workplace. Different situations in family life cause us much worry. We worry about our kids and some of the choices they make and the direction of their lives. We live in a fallen and broken world. The fall into sin has a lot of consequences. One of them was that God cursed the ground and said that it was by the sweat of his face that man would eat bread. We all need food and drink, clothing and shelter to live. At times when life is going well for us, we can easily take these things for granted. Yet there's also times when our bodily needs create a lot of stress in our lives, especially when we face sickness or unemployment or when we struggle to make ends meet. Then we realize how needy and dependent we really are. God knows that we need all these things. He has promised to provide us with everything we need for body and soul. To teach us to trust in our Heavenly Father for our needs, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. By praying this prayer, we acknowledge that our Father in heaven as a giver of all things. We confess his providence, that he rules and governs over all things so that food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. This afternoon we'll consider how important it is to pray the fourth petition. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Christ teaches us to ask our Heavenly Father for our daily bread. The Spirit teaches us to lay our needs before our Father in prayer and to learn to trust in our Father's gracious care. Beloved, it's important for us to understand our place in this world. We are exiles. We are sojourners on this earth. Because of God's abundant blessings over us in the past generations, we have lost sight of that. 
Many countries in the Western world have a Judeo-Christian heritage. It's evident in our constitution, our laws, and in the way former generations live their lives. God had a place in society and in the lives of many of our fellow citizens. While many turned away from him, they were still influenced by Christian principles. Even today, many still see lying, cheating, and stealing, committing adultery as wrong. For us, this has meant that our society has been a rather comfortable place to live and to raise our families. But that's changing. The LGBTQ lobby puts extreme pressure on businesses and politicians who do not support their views on sexual identity. Uh, Justin Trudeau has pledged to reintroduce anti-conversion laws, which are so poorly defined it leaves the possibility of parents, teachers, and pastors being charged for simply having an honest conversation with a struggling teen. Laws allowing medical assistance in dying lead to seniors being pressured to choose for death when facing illness or depression. Our freedom of religion and conscience are being threatened by organizations that require COVID vaccinations to keep your job. You can debate whether or not it's wise to get vaccinated, but until recently, Canadian law upheld the principle that medical treatment was voluntary and it required consent. Now those unwilling to give consent are losing their jobs. There's talk that charitable donation status will be withheld from any charity that supports a pro-life perspective. The point I want to make, beloved, is that we need to be prepared to live in a society that's hostile to the Christian faith. And that should not be a shock to us. Many Christians throughout the ages lived as exiles and sojourners. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did so in the land of Canaan. The Israelites did so when taken into Assyrian and Babylonian captivity. The early Christian church was severely oppressed. In 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul writes... All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. When Peter wrote his first letter, he addressed it to the exiles of the dispersion living in Asia Minor. Throughout much of his letter, he encourages his readers to endure suffering and persecution. Most Christians in the world today face ridicule, discrimination, even persecution because of their faith. It is not unusual for Christians to struggle economically due to their faith. In the Greek and Roman world, many of the trades were organized into guilds. They each had their own patron god who was worshipped by the members of the guild. Worship involved not just bringing sacrifices, but participating in fellowship meals. These often involve drunkenness and sexual immorality. Gentiles who converted to the faith realized they could not partake in such feasts. And because of this, they were often shunned. They had a hard time earning a living. Similarly, in our society today, there are more and more jobs where it's hard to function well if you are determined 
to live as a Christian. And yet the Lord commands us to work. We need jobs to earn an income so we can provide for our families. The cost of living seems to be going up more and more. In many Canadian cities, young people are being priced out of the housing market. There's a lot of pressure to get ahead in life. At times, we make foolish decisions that incur debt. The debt load carried by many is high, and it all depends on having a stable income. All these things create stress and anxiety and worry. And so the big question is, where does God fit into all of this? Do we recognize that God has a role to play in our well-being? What is our perspective on the Lord? Do you view him as a tight-fisted Scrooge? Or do we know him as a good God, as the overflowing fountain of all good? You're faced with lots of stress and anxiety and worry in your life. My question to you is this. Do you truly know your God? Are you putting your confidence and trust in him? This afternoon, we're going to examine the circumstances of a newly exiled people. A group of people taken into Babylonian captivity. They were struggling mightily. They had thought that they were God's people, that Israel was their promised inheritance. They simply could not understand why the Lord had caused them to be exiled. They no longer had access to the temple and its sacrifices. They wondered how it would be possible for them to worship the Lord in a foreign land. Their struggle was made worse by some false prophets in Babylon. These false prophets prophesied that God would break the power of Nebuchadnezzar and that he would send the captives home to Jerusalem soon. Their message to the Babylonian captives was, God will prosper both you and Jerusalem. These exiles did not yet realize that they were being exiled because of Judah's rebellion against the Lord. They did not realize that they were being chastised because they had forsaken God's commandments. Their status as God's covenant people had made them proud. It blinded them to the need for repentance and trust in God. Jeremiah 29 records a letter that Jeremiah who was still in Jerusalem, sent to the exiles in Babylon. Jeremiah opposes the false prophets who said that the fortunes of Judah would soon be restored and that the exiles would be able to return to their own homeland. Jeremiah 29, 17 makes it clear the Lord would send sword, famine, and pestilence upon those dwelling in Jerusalem. Historically, we know that Nebuchadnezzar would return to Jerusalem one final time to capture the city, to raise its walls, to destroy the temple, and carry the remainder of the people into exile. 
So what was Jeremiah's message to the exiles living in Babylon? The message begins, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, to the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The Lord claims responsibility for the exile. He was the one who allowed the Babylonians to take them captive. The Lord tells his exiled people not to believe the false prophets and diviners who deceived them, for they were not prophesying in his name. The Lord promises that after 70 years he would visit his people and fulfill his promise and bring them back to Jerusalem. Yet that's not all that the Lord writes to his people. He also instructs them how to conduct themselves during the time of their exile. He commands, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. When you look at these instructions, there's quite some similarity between them and what the Lord commanded Adam in paradise. He was commanded to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to have dominion over all of creation. This command is often spoken of as being our creation mandate. In Jeremiah 29, it's renewed for God's people even in circumstances where they are in exile. So what did God expect of his people? To get on with their daily lives. As exiles, it would have been tempting to sit around and mope, to grumble and complain about their lousy lot in life. If the exiles believed the false prophets and figured that their present circumstances were only temporary, There was little incentive to move forward in life. Yet God commands them to build houses and plant gardens and marry and raise children. He wants his people to multiply and not decrease in number because the Lord has a plan for them. The Lord issues one further command. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. There would have been a real temptation for the exiles to fight against the foreign regime that exiled them. Instead, the Lord tells them to seek the welfare of the city where he had sent them and to pray for the country where they were living. That would not have been a popular message. Seek the welfare of your enemies. Pray for those who oppressed you and who took you captive. Yes. Do you understand why, beloved? It's because the Lord has a plan for his people. He tells them about that plan. They were going to be in exile for 70 years 
before the Lord would allow them to return to their own homeland. The Lord tells the exiles that their own welfare was tied directly to the welfare of Babylon. This is a message for us in this, beloved. As Christians, the place where we live has great influence on our well-being. Do we pray for our country, for our governments, for our fellow citizens? Do we seek the welfare of the city in which we live? In Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord makes a beautiful promise to his people. He provides comfort and assurance in the midst of their struggles, their anxiety, and their worry. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. When the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, he's making clear. He has a certain end in view, and he will bring it to completion. What was God's plan for his captive people? God out of suffering is not the result of Babylonian gods overpowering me. It's not the result of me forgetting about you. Seek me. Trust in me. Expect your blessing from me alone. And beloved, this is precisely what the Lord Jesus teaches us in the fourth petition. He teaches us to call on our Heavenly Father in prayer, to pray for our daily bread. Jesus wants us to lay our needs before our Heavenly Father in prayer. Do you do that, beloved? Do you talk to God about your worries and anxieties? Do you let God know when you're struggling to make ends meet? Or are you too proud, too independent to ask Father in heaven for your daily needs, figuring you can provide them yourself? The exiles had to be brought low before they humbled themselves and turned to the Lord. They had to be taken into captivity. They had to experience the overthrow of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, before they truly repented and sought the Lord. We sometimes have questions about everything that's happening in the world around us. Why does evil prosper? And why do God's children have to struggle? Perhaps part of the answer is that the Lord wants us to, wants to cause us to turn to him, to seek him in all our struggles. Praying is humbling yourself before God. When you pray, you acknowledge you're not in charge of your own life. When you ask God to provide your daily needs, you're admitting that God alone can provide for you and sustain your life. Now, I know, beloved, that most of you will regularly pray for a blessing on your food. But living in a country where we rarely go hungry 
Do you truly acknowledge God as the fount of all blessings? Do you truly seek your well-being in him alone? Brings us to our second point. And we'll see how the prayer for our daily bread teaches us to learn to trust in our Father's gracious care. Beloved, have you ever faced a time in life where you've come to the end of your resources? Time when you have nothing left? We have no money, your credit was extended to the max? We didn't know how you're even going to pay for your groceries? Have you ever been seriously ill? We didn't even have energy to fight anymore? Have you ever faced a time where you were so exhausted you had nothing left to give? Where you were unable to do any more? Have you ever been depressed? Where even thinking about doing the smallest task completely overwhelms you? There's times in life when we get pushed to the max, when troubles and sorrows pile upon us, and where we're completely overwhelmed, where our resources are gone, and where the tank has run completely empty. How do we then cope? What do you do when you've got nothing left in you? Where do you turn when you're stressed out when anxiety fills your heart? Well, God sometimes lets us get to that point so that we turn to Him and find our refuge and strength in Him. This afternoon we read a few verses from 1 Peter 5. Peter wrote, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. In these verses, we see the calling to entrust our lives to our Heavenly Father. It requires humility. It requires us to understand that we're not actually in charge of our own lives. Paul made this clear to the philosophers in Athens when he said that God made this world and everything in it and that he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Our life and our well-being is completely dependent on God and on his goodness and grace. Both health and sickness come from God's fatherly hand. He is the one who provides us with employment and sufficient work so we can earn a living and support our families. At times, we're tempted to think that it's our intelligence or our hard work that helped us to get ahead in life. But as our catechism teaches us, our care and labor and God's gifts cannot do us any good without his blessing. We need to learn to acknowledge God as the only fountain of all good. The Bible teaches this truth plainly. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, 
The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Because of this, the psalmist says, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living creature. James writes that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So when we learn to know God as a good God, that we'll come to trust in our Father's gracious care. We've spoken about how at times our lives can be filled with stress and anxiety and worry. Peter tells us how to cope in such circumstances. He tells us to cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for us. What's it mean to cast your anxieties on God? It means to give them over to God in prayer. To communicate with our Father in heaven, telling him about our hardships and sorrows, our stress and worry, opening our heart to God, sharing with him our cares and concerns. And trusting your heart and life to God is, is hard. It requires honesty and vulnerability, admitting our weaknesses and shortcomings, and letting God know how much we need him. Yeah, beloved, there's nothing more wonderful than sharing your heart with God in prayer. It's a liberating experience. You can let go of all the stress you feel, the anxiety that presses in on you. You can hand it all over to God and ask him to provide for you. You can trust that he is powerful enough to help, that he's willing to do so as your loving father. In Matthew 7, the Lord Jesus taught his followers to pray to God with confidence he said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus went on to speak about the goodness earthly fathers show to their children. And then he concluded, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Beloved, like God's people in the Babylonian captivity, we're exiles on this earth. This world is not our homeland. We're looking forward to a better country, a heavenly one, God has plans to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. Often God's blessings include granting us rich gifts in this life, providing us with our material needs, granting us success in our work, blessing us with children, giving joy in daily life. And the richest gift of all is that we may live at peace with him now and eternally.
Thus, I want to encourage you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to acknowledge him in all your ways. Understand that the Lord has a plan for you and he will bring it to completion. Seek his face in prayer, relying on him for all the daily necessities of life. Understand that even when you're faced with hardships and struggles, God is near. Delight in the Lord, and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. Walk with him, and he will walk with you. Our Heavenly Father loves us with a deep and abiding love. He will certainly provide us with all we need to love and serve him. Amen. In response to the gospel, let's rise and sing together from Psalm 145, stanzas 4 and 5. <laughs> 